coming to you live on the 22nd day of the month of February in an early year of a decade at the exact same time as our own. The movie industry suddenly encountered a deadly threat to its very existence and this terrifying enemy surfaced as such enemies often do in the seemingly most innocent and unlikely of places. In Mushnik's Flower Shop on Skid Row, it's the Ten Point Podcast. Yay! <laughs> you did it. You're going with all that. <laughs> and when I was younger, just a bad little kid, my mama noticed funny things I did, like shooting puppies with a BB gun. And with me today are two more bad little kids. First, he poisons guppies. It's Chris. Feed me. <laughs> and he finds pussycats and bashes their heads in. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I thought they were the, the two of the best intros we've ever had on the podcast in the same film, so I tried to squeeze them both in there. Uh, we are the Ten Point Podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, on Apple Music Podcasts, on Amazon Music Podcasts, on all your podcast apps, on Spotify, wherever you reach these sort of things. We are also on YouTube. We are a vodcast, if you want to call it that as well, a YouTube cast. No, I do not. Uh, you can- you don't call it that, right? <laughs> uh, we are 10 Point Podcast on all these places, just uh, all the letters, no numbers, 10 Point Podcast. Uh, same for our social media channels, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we don't have an Instagram because we are a podcast. Get in touch however you can on social medias and through writing comments underneath the YouTube video. That's a thing you can do as well. Just uh, post anything you like. You want to hear all the kids you. are doing it. 10pointpodcast.com is where you can quick, quickliest, quickerly, quickest get in contact with us you can email us on temp at tempotpodcast.com the email address and the emailing facilities are there uh, and there's new articles going up all the time i think some non-movie related ones are going up this week if i remember our right favorite way. crisps uh, our favorite <laughs> crisps has come out of that should make sense now <laughs> uh, <laughs> just randomly just check that out if you want to and, see and there's also some bangers of movies which i'll get onto in a minute as well Yes, and there's some uh, new movie reviews, which we'll see soon. And we'll get right on to that then. Uh, we normally we discuss what we've been watching in the last week. Andy, you seem like you're chomping at the bit. What have you been watching in the last I've watched week? loads of movies. There's loads of film companies that have been giving us nice screeners and shit like that. So we've been heavy. Uh, you actually to... remember them, though. Aye. So we'll see. I've watched Willy's Wonderland with uh, Nicolas Cage. I don't remember his name that, there. That's oh, his yeah. uh, Five Nights at Freddy's film. Yeah, basically. It's, it's Nicolas Cage... In a random, I don't know, amusement park fighting mascots and mannequins and stuff. It, it's way funner than it sounds. Uh, and it's some of the Nicolas Cage's best acting. So definitely worth a watch on that one. His best acting or his best Nicolas Cage acting? There is a difference. Yeah, it's pretty much all Nicolas Cage. It's just it's him embodying Nicolas Cage and just some good acting. Like, <laughs> it's, it's good acting in a film that shouldn't have good acting. Uh <laughs> Speaking of good acting, uh, Monster Hunter, finally got to see that. Uh, don't bother, it's shite. Uh, <laughs> what, a, what, a waste, what a waste of time that was. Uh, only positive I've got to say is Mila Jokovic, not aged today, still got it. Uh, she can actually act, but the rest of the film's just shit, so don't bother. Uh, surprise out of nowhere film. Um, Barb and... S- what's the hell? Barb and, Barb Star, and Star go to Vistal del Mar. That's a film to say. Uh, that film is way better than it should be uh, you can catch it on YouTube at the moment um, plus I think it's on Amazon at the moment as well uh, but yeah it's, I can't say anything about it you just gotta kind of watch it if you like it's kinda, a comedy though isn't it yeah if you, if you like Kirsten Wiggins comedies watch it because it's, it's mind blowing what happens in it is mind blowing 
Um, yeah, so yeah, definitely watch that. And what else have I watched? I watched nothing else. What else did I watch, Bruce? Something about Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, that, that's that's pointless. That's basically just a kidney cat Dennings film, um, which is basically just to have cat Dennings in it with her boobs out. So standard film. <laughs> Glad I brought that up. Yeah, <laughs> but however, I'm sure there was another one. All right, there was another one. However, I, I did have like it wasn't a film. However, it was probably one of the best dreams I've ever had in my life. So yes, I've been hearing oh about this. God. This has been the entertaining me for the last couple of days. Chris. Right, so let me paint you a little tale of my. Uh, I was asleep a couple of days ago, and then. Just nice, dreaming away, and then it was one of these weird dreams where like, I'm at a dock, for no apparent reason, just at the docks, and then, because I got a phone call from Chris, and Chris wanted me to go to the docks, I was like, alright, why am I going to the docks? And then I'm, I'm waiting at the docks, and then Bruce turns up, and it's like, why are you at the docks? He's like, I don't know, Chris called me, so it's like, alright, Chris is at the docks, I was like, okay, cool. And then Sean just turns up, and it's like, but like, Sean's like really late, like, way past the time but you're still not there Chris um, but yeah Sean turns up and he's got this uh, little prawn on his shoulder and then when I said Sean why have you got a prawn on your shoulder it's like it's not a fucking prawn it's a shrimp and I was like <laughs> alright but it was literally a cartoon animated shrimp on his shoulder and I was like alright whatever and then the next thing just like a big horn goes off and then it's just like you rock up on a cargo ship so you've got a massive like proper cargo ship full of shipping containers you just rock up and we're like, what do you want us to do? Like, but we had like didn't question it at all. And then you're like, oh, come in. And then you show us around one of the shipping containers, and you've tricked them all out. So they've got like hot tubs in them, like they're proper hotel rooms, <laughs> like proper posh things. Yeah. And we're like, all right. And then you give us like key cards, and they've all got room numbers on them. So I was like, I get my key, and it's like obviously. <laughs> so I was like, all right. So next thing, I'm walking down the shipping container, and Bruce is just like absolutely kicking off. He just pulls me over. He's absolutely <laughs> kicking off. And I was like, what's going on, Bruce? He's like, oh, come in here. Look what the fucking prick's done to me. So op <laughs> we open these, like, room door. And he's like, there's about 12 bunk beds with, like, I mean, like, it had everybody from the world. Like, every kind of ethnic minority, every privileged person, non-privileged person, drug addict. It was a mix in Bruce's room. But there was, like, 12 different people from all different backgrounds all around the world. It was properly, like, multi-ethnic here. But it's all like a proper slum. Like, it's it's a shithole. It's like blood down the walls, shit down the walls. Like, proper, like, what I would class as a, like, a New York apartment building you see in films that just always look dreary as shit. One you and, see in Skid Row, possibly. Yeah, yeah. pretty much Skid Row. <laughs> uh, and I was just like, what, what's that? And you, like, Bruce is just kicking off. And I was like, all right, well, maybe, I don't know why Chris has done this, but I'll go and see. I'll see what my room looks like. Maybe just a one-off. And then I see Sean. And Sean's still got his little shrimp on his shoulder, which he's... <laughs> I hear him arguing with somebody, asking, like, why he's got a prawn on his shoulder, and he's like, no, it's a shrimp. I was like, all right. But Sean's well happy because you've done unlimited beer, so Sean's proper happy with this. And I was like, all right, this is weird, but, like, same situation. Sean's bed's next to, like, a little bucket, which is just full of shit. So he's got about 30 people in his room. And I was like, what is going on here? And I'm trying to find my room. I can't find it. And then, like, just kind of as I find my room, the next thing is, we're at a big banquet, and then you just basically introduced that we're doing Mortal Kombat. And I was like, <laughs> why is Chris, I was like, why is Chris Shang Tsung in my dream? But hey ho. And then Sub Zero kind of does his little walk down the staircase. He comes in, <laughs> oh, and like, honest to God, is like, I had a really cold arm. And I kind of half woke up, and it's because my arm was out of the covers, and it was just fucking freezing. So I was like, I put it back in. 
And then the next thing, Sean wins the tournament of Mortal Kombat, but it wasn't Sean that won it, it was his shrimp. Because it was the shrimp versus your number one fighter. And the shrimp just randomly wins Mortal Kombat. And I was just like, why is one Chris got a, a shipping container and why was he trying to make us fight in Mortal Kombat? So, that was my film. Me into my shipping, I wanted the, the, the nice shipping container and I get stuck with a crappy one. Oh, no wonder I was angry. So, yeah, that, that was my dream, Chris. Yeah. It's fucking mental. What do you have to say for yourself, Chris? <laughs> Without a fight. <laughs> you would have won if you could fight. Well, we did win. A, sh- a shrimp just bet, bet everybody. It was the <laughs> first match. It was just like, that was it. Mortal Kombat was over because the shrimp won. <laughs> well, I guess it's our team won, this thing. Yeah, so straight away. Thing. First, first <laughs> fight out, the shrimp won. <laughs> Good. Well, thank you, Andy. Better than any film you'll watch. The last week, I would imagine. Uh, is that. Uh, Chris, uh, try topping that. Have you watched anything <laughs> in the last week or drink? Uh, I can't top that. that. I watched um, Tag. Ah, oh, uh, that's, that's a banger. Yeah. yeah that's a... Um, it's fairly predictable, but uh, and it gets quite deep quite late on, but it's, it's a good film. It blows my mind uh, that that's based on a true story. Yeah, yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. Like, I was watching it with Nicola and she was like, huh. And then she watched the, the bit at the end that shows you the actual people and she's like, I can't believe they actually did that. I went, yeah, it says right at the very start, it's based on a true story. And she yeah. Went, oh, I missed that. And it wasn't one of these fake Fargo ones either. <laughs> she was saying yeah. that we should all do it. She was like, oh, you should oh, all do it. That'd be fun if you all did it. And I was like, well, somebody's already done it. Yeah, we'll come up with a new thing. We'll play poo sticks instead. What, dropping sticks to see if it reaches all the way down you? No, <laughs> no. No, apparently the uh, Geordie style of poo sticks where you actually get poo and you try and wipe on each other's backs. Oh, God. <laughs> the fuck have you been watching? <laughs> well, if it probably draped it, the way he's been going. Uh, was that your top pick of the week then, Chris? That's all. That's tag. the only film I watched was Tag. Uh, I, could, I, I think I did two this week. I finally got around to seeing Point Break that I've been trying to catch for ages. The Keanu Reeves and Patrick <laughs> Swayze one from, oh, from the early Shitting 90s. in the air. Uh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Uh, it has its flaws, but I very much enjoyed it. I'd, I'd give it a watch if you've never seen it before. Uh, I do like a good bank robbery heist sort of thing, so there's plenty of that involved, which is not what I thought it was. I thought it was going to be about surfers, and it's, it's a very confusing sort of genre, but give that. And the big thing I watched, uh, I watched the, the Godzilla, the 2014 Godzilla that I absolutely love, and it's definitely one of my absolute favourite films of all time, and I cannot knock it. You're wrong. Way. I think it's... I think it's near perfect. I absolutely love that film, but that's my own personal taste. There's not enough Godzilla in that film, though. Ah, That's what I like about it. You don't want to see all the Godzilla in the beginning. You want to build up to the Godzilla, and then, oh, Godzilla's there at the end, fighting at the end. But I've talked about that plenty of times before, so I don't need to go too deep more into Godzilla, because I'll always rave about it. And we have to get on. The the dream took up uh, most of the podcast (laughs) here, because it's (laughs) very entertaining. (laughs) We're going to get on to the point of the podcast, and the point of the podcast today on point number one is the 1986 sci-fi musical romantic comedy horror The Little Shop of Horrors uh, Note the word horror in there and the amount of times we've tried to pick horror films and not had a horror, where this actually is a horror film yeah. uh, Brought to us by Geffen Company Pictures and Warner Brothers Pictures, based on the off-Broadway musical based on the 1960 film A Little Shop of Horrors by Roger Corman, which I nearly watched by accident uh, in Andy kind of style of I went onto Amazon 
to, to rent uh, like this one that we watched and found out, oh, it's a free version, Little Shop of Horror and Colours, and I went and <laughs> on. I was like, no, wait a minute, this is 1970 or 19, 1960, sorry, next to it, so I had to work out which one I was supposed to watch. Um, but yeah, based on a film, based on a musical, based on a film, this is, written by Howard Ashman, and it's the only screenplay that he ever wrote. Uh, he wrote music, mainly was his job, and he wrote music that was used for Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin, and pretty much all his credits beyond beyond this, essentially, are Little Shop of Horrors music, uh, and then Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin music. He <laughs> died in 1991, so he has a long IMDb beyond his death, because these songs just keep used used in, in oh. things uh, over and over again. But it's his only screenplay. The film is directed by Frank Oz. Uh, I tried to do a, a shallow deep dive into Frank Oz here. So he has directed such films as The Dark Crystal, Muppets Take Manhattan, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, In and Out, Bowfinger, The Score, The Stepford Wives, and Death at a Funeral. However, I think Frank Oz is most famous for being a voice actor, as he has voiced such characters as Fozzie Bear, Miss Piggy, Animal, Sam the Eagle, Yoda, Bert, that's the one with Ernie, but he didn't do Ernie, Grover, Cookie Monster, and Fungus from Monsters, Inc. <laughs> are his voice acting credits, but he has himself appeared in Blues Brothers, American Werewolf in London, Trading Places, Labyrinth, and recently Knives Out. So that's the director of this film has done all that work uh, previous. What a man, and what a man. He has a gigantic uh, filmography because of all the times Miss Piggy, Fozzie Bear, etc. have appeared in things and all the stuff that Yoda, he's always the, the cinema, the movie Yoda in every single one of the Star Wars films. It's always him, uh, including some of the animated shows as well. Uh, lots of horrors, those stars, our two main stars. We have Rick Moranis playing Seymour, uh, famous for being in Ghostbusters 1 and 2, uh, Spaceballs, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Parenthood and The Flintstones. Uh, and co-starring with him, we have Ellen Green from Talk Radio, Naked Gun 33 and a Third, Leon, fine, One Fine Day, Pushing Daisies, and she's one of these actresses that's in a single episode of about 100 TV <laughs> shows. She has one guest spot on this, that, and the other. Uh, they are the two main stars that we have in Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors made on a budget of $25 million. Its opening we weekend in the US was $3.5 million, but its final US gross was $39 million, making a profit on home soil. Probably word of mouth, 1986 would spread around. The cinemas worked a bit differently in the 1980s. You didn't get the big boom at the first weekend you kind of built up. No internet. Uh, I do not... Yeah, no internet, exactly. You had to wait for the newspaper reviews to come out and all that. Uh, no worldwide uh, gross on that. It did have international releases, and the only other country I could find that returned uh, a number was Australia and less than $800, allegedly, in Australia. But beyond that, I cannot find an international gross. But it did already make a profit in the US. Um, film was released 19th of December 1986, which meant that it qualified for the 1987 Oscars, and our 10-point podcast diehards will know we've never gone that far back before. This is the oldest film that we have ever covered on the podcast, which means we've not covered the Oscars of that year. Now, Little Shop of Horrors was nominated for two Oscars that year. It was nominated for Best Effects Visual Effects, which, okay, I can see how, but it did not win, and it lost to Aliens, which... That's why they lose I think, I think that's fair. Yeah, If you're going to lose to something, Aliens is quite good. And other nomination it had was for Best Original Song for... Which song do you think it was? Mean Green. The Mean uh, Green I'll, I'll thing from Outer Space. space. Yes. Mean Green Mother from Outer Space that's was it. nominated for the Oscar for uh, Best Song. It also lost, and it lost too, from Top Gun, Take My Breath Away. <laughs> it was Bastards. The best song at the Oscar. I think, personally, I think the... 
uh, Mean Green, etc. is a better song, but the other one has definitely got the staying power and is a bit more kind of legendary, I would have said. Uh, but since we've never covered the 87 Oscars before, I have got the five Best Picture nominees and see if the guys can pick the winner out of these. Five nominees were A Room with a View, Children of a Lesser God, Hannah and Her Sisters, The Mission, and Platoon. What was your Best Picture of 1987? Oh, well, Platoon should have won it, but I'm Platoon. pretty sure it was The Room was won. Platoon did, in fact, win it. And I I've heard of A Room with a View, and Platoon is only the one I've heard of. Yeah, Platoon was Best Picture of that year. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the fact that I've never heard of three of those films means <laughs> I, I think it was quite a bad Oscars year in that year. <laughs> uh, and the Razzies were in fact invented around that time. They existed, the MTV Movie Awards didn't, but the Razzies did. Worst Picture, 1987, your five nominees. Blue City, which was by all reviews a horrible Judd Nelson action film that seems to have been absolutely panned. Uh, Cobra, the Sylvester Stallone written and starring film where he wrote a character to be like a, a kind of uh, the badass cop that uh, yeah, everybody slated as well. Uh, Howard the Duck, most famous for Chris, oh, only no agreed to do the podcast if he could review Howard the Duck at some point, <laughs> and so far has not been able to do it. It uh, was nominated for the worst picture that year. Shanghai Surprise is your obligatory Madonna entry to the Razzie's <laughs> uh, worst picture of the year. Uh, and the last nominee, Under the Cherry Moon, another recurring Razzie. It was a musical that was starring and directed by Prince. <laughs> uh, was the last nominee. He has appeared before at the Razzie. So, who's your winner out of those? Blue City, the Howard the Duck, one. Shanghai Surprise, Howard the Duck. The uh, no. Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck did win, but it was a no. tie. Uh, Princes Under the Cherry Moon tied for worst picture of the <laughs> That's year. That's an so. absolute banger of a thought. Howard the Duck is good. It's amazing. So if Chris ever does pick Howard the Duck, it'll be a Razzie. Oh, it'll be coming up, don't worry. There we go. I think we've still never had the actual Razzie winner, worst picture winner on the podcast yet. Um, Little Shop of Horrors, in fact, won absolutely no awards until 2013. It was the first time it won an award. Um, and that was when its DVD release came out and it won a couple of awards for soundtrack and best special features and all that sort of stuff. Uh, in 87, it did get two nominations at the Golden Globes and one at the BAFTAs for music and special effects. Uh, they were the two most important things that came out of it uh, and it won neither of those either but yeah it's only awards came like 20 years after it came out uh lots of horrors got a quick synopsis a very quick one by hannah this time we've not had a, a female write a synopsis before so hannah's written a synopsis here for us and it goes as follows seymour krelborn is a nerdy orphan working at mushnick's a flower shop in urban skid row he harbors a crush on fellow co-worker audrey fulquard first time i've heard her surname and is berated by mr mushnick on a daily basis one day, as Seymour is seeking a new mysterious plant, he finds a very mysterious, unidentified plant, which he calls Audrey too. The plant seems to have a craving for blood and soon begins to sing for his supper. Soon enough, Seymour feeds Audrey's sadistic dentist boyfriend to the plant and later Mushnick for witnessing the death of Audrey's ex. Will Audrey too take over the world or will Seymour and Audrey defeat it? Um, that's pretty much the entire plot in there uh, up until the very end, which is a good point for the <laughs> end because... Which version did you guys watch? Because Director's Cut. Come up. I watched, watched that one. Yeah, uh, Director's Cut. I watched the what, seemingly the theatrical, cinematic, what do you want to call it, version that is available for rent on Amazon Prime. Uh, I feel like we're going to get into that as the podcast goes on. There are two different versions of this film. <laughs> again. And I've, I've got, I'm the odd man out. I think again. Uh, Andy, you picked it. Tell us why you picked it briefly and then we'll get on to point two. I picked it because I knew Chris absolutely fucking despises musicals. Uh, <laughs> So I thought, if, if there's a musical that can potentially win him over, is a musical with all this cast in it, because what a cast has got. Uh, Rick Moranis, Bill Murray, Steve Martin, plus loads of other people, some cameos that Bruce probably missed. 
Uh, yeah, I continued to miss the said cameo. Andy, Andy said, did you see the cameo? And I thought I had. It turns out I hadn't seen the cameo. And then on a quick rewatch this afternoon, I have still not seen the cameo. Uh, I had never seen this film before. This was my absolute first viewing. Chris, I don't know if it was on podcast or off podcast, but you uh, seem to imply that you had sort of seen this before. No, I haven't, actually. You said your kid's sad or something. Nicholas, like, likes it. The family has experienced it around about you, though. Okay, dokie. Uh, on a point two, then, the high points, what we think the best bits of the film were. Uh, Andy, you picked it. Why don't you lead off with the first high point or two right. for us? I don't know when we don't do cast, but I'm doing the cast because they all work really well together. And it's kind of semi a low point, but the woman in it with her voice Ellen is... What a voice she's got. It is definitely... <laughs> it's a standout voice for all the wrong reasons. However, it kind of works. Like, and this is why I'm kind of putting... Like, I'm crossing lines between high and low for her on the voice because, I don't know, it just... It makes you hate her, but then you feel super sorry for her. When you feel sorry for her, you feel even more sorry for her. And and she can sing. Then when she actually puts a singing voice on, she's actually pretty good, so... Most definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah. She's got a memorable voice i would say that yeah if i ever hear someone kind of putting on that kind of voice and talking about that i'll know it's this film now because it's a memorable thing from the film See, nicola described it as french from greece that's another film i haven't seen yeah but it's been a long time it's that yeah. kind of um i'll remember it like, like you just said yeah it was just i was classed as like a it's, baby it's a doll voice because it's like it's worse than cutlery scraping <laughs> on a plate it, it, it just grated on me through the whole film yeah, since, but, since you've brought it up here, I might as well mention it as well. That like one of my low points is actually not being able to understand what Audrey says about half of the yeah. time in the film. Like when she's singing, I can kind of pick in. Oh, I know that's that bit, and that's bit in her, and her voice kind of changes when she's becoming kind of stronger when she's singing. But there are some bits where she's just too screechy, and like Chris says, it's kind of like, ah, what are you saying? <laughs> but yeah, that is a low point. Her voice, but you are talking about the cast as a whole, Andy, and how you like Yeah, it. like, it's, it's one of these films where, like, the entire cast actually, like, they all work together really well as well. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like one stands out, it's like they all bounce off of each other. Like, even, like, I don't know who the Mr. Mishnick guy is, but obviously he was probably famous around the time. But, like, Rick Moranis bouncing off of him, and then Steve Martin just being Steve Martin before Steve Martin was, like, <laughs> super huge. Bill Murray yeah, just yeah. doing what Bill Murray does. Like, everybody that we know in the future who go into, like, bigger films and bigger careers are all amazing. And then, and then even, like, the cameo that Bruce missed is just, like, stand yeah, who, out. Who was this cameo, then? I have missed this cameo totally. Danny John Jules, the cat from Red Dwarf. What, what oh, no, no that's not the cameo I'm on about, is it? There's uh, apparently Jim Belushi's in it. Yeah, Jim Belushi's in. You know, he's in the other version, oh. Chris. Oh, he's in my yeah. one. That's not Jim Belushi. Yeah. yeah. Chris, you, you know, in our version, where the guy's at the top with a little Audrey 2 plant, and basically before he's about uh, Rick Moran's about to jump off the building. Yeah. That's Jim Belushi, but because Jim Belushi wasn't around for filming, because they basically did the version that we watched, which actually was about three quarters of the budget, was the last 10 minutes of the film. They put it into a test audience. The test audience absolutely hated it, wanted a happy ending. That guy couldn't come back, and they got Jim Belushi in instead. And that's the version that Bruce watched. It's kind of weird, because Jim Belushi's character is just the most ordinary man. Like, he, he doesn't come in all charismatic. He doesn't see, like, everyone else has a sort of kind of, I don't know, a yeah. gimmick or a bit of charisma, but I mean, he just kind of comes in and he's like, oh, we want to take your plants and we want to we want to put one in every house in America, blah, blah, blah. And it kind of sort of convinces Seymour to to do what he does at the end of my version, which is different from what, you, what you've seen. Um, but yeah, uh, is that, that the end of your praise for the for the cast, Andy? Or yeah, you, uh... the cat from Red Dwarf. I can't believe you missed the cat from Red Dwarf. That's right. No, like, <laughs> which bit was he? Because I, like, I was I was scanning the screen when he was, was in like the, one of the singers when he's singing about Skid Row. There's like four guys that just kind of pop up, 
and he is he literally discovers the plan. Guys, when he, oh yeah, when he discovers the plan, ah, uh, and he walks out like a bus stop, and he yeah, they're dancing at a bus stop, and there's like four of them, and he's like literally dead center as the cat from Red Dwarf. Okay, so I might double down on the most unexpected person with uh, <laughs> with him because he was the most unexpected person to show up and played too. So uh, yeah, I might go with that. <laughs> yeah, that's my... of that song. I have got I've got that as one of my high points. Is uh, I don't know if it's called Total Eclipse, but I feel like that was kind of what they were saying. Yeah. I was able to on Amazon. You can flick up and it tells you the title of the song when they're singing it, but I actually missed that one. But yeah, the uh, the story. It was a good little story bit, and actually it did help me explain what was going on. The way they're talking about lunar things, I was thinking I'll be going with a, a dead don't die tie in. Because yeah, <laughs> oh, the lunar vibrations that made everyone turn to zombies. This, this plant's come alive here. Um, but yeah, the, the actual Little Shop of Horror song as well. The first, the kind of, they were the two early songs I've marked down as being like really catchy, good songs, and they tell you a little bit about like the first one, Little Shop of Horror tells you about what's going on and where we are, and then Total Eclipse is like this is yeah. what's happening. This is why uh, he's got this random plant, and I thought it was a strong start uh, with the the songs near the beginning. Uh, I've got as my my early high point. Uh, but my early one is like Rick Moranis. Like, who knew he could sing? He's got a, some set of pipes in them. <laughs> and I, on the rare occasion I actually do watch musicals, uh, I always find it better when the actors do their own singing. Mm. Yeah, I hate they're not they're getting some super dub over. Yeah, and they yeah. often get the actor, an actor who can't sing very well, to be the kind of lead because you're meant to do the most acting, so the actual singing isn't that good. But I think mm. he's yeah, pretty good. Yeah, uh, he's all right. Yeah, enjoy it. And my nice one has got to be the animatronics for Seymour. Like from yeah. when he's a little plant looking around to like try to bite that lady's arse, right to the big massive one. They just keep getting better and it's 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 amazing. Like, it it looks CGI, but it's just like when like um Audrey Two's singing, especially like the big the, the big end song, and like the lips are just going absolutely perfectly. Yeah. And it's just like that's like, amazing. The they, they managed to get a little curl in the lips. Like the yeah. technology back then is awesome. It's better I, than what yeah, we use now. I had to look I had to try and dig out is like is there like a remastered version of this that i have got that this looks way better because it's absolutely stunning that this is an actual physical thing that was on set doing this in 1986 or whatever, whenever they actually filmed it and i was like this is incredible like, have they done a, a george lucas here and gone back and touched this <laughs> a little bit? but that would be my, my absolute the thing i have to say is the highest point of this film is personally it's the, the gigantic audrey 2 in the, the, the let's yeah. say behind me and andy on our videos for the youtube watchers but the biggest one is that actual thing is the high point of the film and having that look as good as it does it is like i like i was totally believing that there was a real giant plant that looked like that that is the best thing in the film for me and like sets as a whole in this film is just absolutely amazing as well and then mm. i don't know if you actually went and watched the other like the extended cut bruce the the original I, I, I've, I've seen the the extended cut yes i have watched the the the, the bit that i did not get yeah why don't you i mean, I mean you, can see, you can see why they spent like five and a half million on that last 10 minutes because <laughs> The sets just went mental again, and they had more Audrey 2s going around and shit like that. Like the, the version I watched, cinematic one, the whole film, like you, you kind of get a sense. It's like watch. I thought it's like it is like watching the stage show. The whole thing feels yeah. like it's playing out in front of you. The only thing that's a departure is the the dentist office. Feels like it's <laughs> somewhere else. But everything else, you can. Like, oh, that's the shop, and she lives over there, and he lives down there, and that's the back alley. And then obviously the, the bit that, that isn't in the the, the, the theatrical version. Just the whole city becomes yeah. important at that point. But yeah, the version I got doesn't end. Like, well, we're going to how they, they. I'm going to as a high point or low point. But I feel like at this point we should describe, since Chris seems to not know, like what I got as an ending. Yeah. So, uh, Audrey two phones Audrey to come to the house, um, and then uh, to the house, to the shop, 
and then she gets eaten, so her legs are like kicking out the mouth. And then Seymour comes and saves her, takes her to the back alley to like, oh, get away from the plant. Now I think that's where your film and mine diverge yes. at that point. Yeah. So Jim Belushi shows up <laughs> to be like, oh, you're. I don't know why he's in the back alley. I don't know why he's <laughs> around there, but he's there. Oh, we want to take little plants and put them in every home in America. You'll be a millionaire and all that. And then he's like, oh, I don't want to do that. And at that point, what seems to be a massive difference is that the original Audrey and him come to this realisation that she doesn't want him because he's now famous because of the whole plant thing. She wants him because he is who he is. And all she wants is him and to go settle into our little house that she thinks about early on. And we want to, I just want to be together in our sweet little home. So then Seymour pops back into the, the shop and then like fights the plant. Now, in your version, that goes a totally different way to me, <laughs> as in he defeats the plant by like electrocuting it. So when the plant grows out of its pot and break, he brings the building down and then Seymour zaps it with this gigantic electrical wire in one of his roots and the plant goes like this and then blows up and then that's the end and the last scene is Seymour and Audrey running into their lovely kind of cottage in the suburbs all happy like and then the camera just pans down and there's a little uh, I don't know alien plant just at the end of the garden looking all happy with itself to be like ah they're not actually defeated and then that's the end of the film for me so yeah you have or, about... did Vita was supposed to want to make a sequel yeah, yeah like years ago, but it obviously never happened. But yeah, ours, ours like, went to another extreme. Yeah, so why yeah. don't you give me a quick rundown of what happens in your one for those who are listening to the podcast that saw my version. Well, basically, Seymour feeds uh, Audrey to Audrey too, so she's dead. Yeah, she asks he, for it, though. Why? Yeah, because because he wants him to be happy. And then he then runs up to the top of the building crying, and then he's basically going to kill himself because he realises it's a mistake, to which non-Jim Belushi turns up with all the like a little plant saying, we can make loads of these. He then suddenly has a realisation, fuck, this is a stupid idea. I need to go and kill Audrey too. Goes and tries to kill Audrey too, has a massive gunfight, and then Audrey too ends up eating Seymour, killing Seymour, <laughs> and then Audrey too has loads of other Audreys and takes over all of LA and destroys the world. Yeah. What an ending. <laughs> Absolute carnage. In a King Kong slash Godzilla style fashion. Yeah, and like a, a proper like 10 minute end musical number as well. You can see why it costs five million to make, and then they just cut that out. It's like, nah, fuck that. Yeah, we don't need that. <laughs> uh, you said the reason was that the original test audiences didn't like that. Ted, test audiences absolutely hated it, but they know Frank Oz, when he came out on DVD, really wanted to add it back in. So I think that's why Chris has got, and his DVD is just, it's, that's the standard version. And I think you have to look for the original theatrical version instead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, so mine's, mine's very much the happy ending. Yeah. That's one of the stronger points I've got uh, as a high point is that the relationship between Seymour and Audrey is, is very, I don't know, satisfying in my one. Like The Suddenly Seymour song is really good. That's them first kind of realising that's like, oh yeah, we should be together. And then he saves her and then saves the day and then they all live happily ever after. See, that, so that's actually my low a, point. I hate that song. Oh, really? Yeah. I hate the Suddenly Seymour song. It's really annoying. That's my, yeah. my the weakest song for me. That's one of the more like, sombre songs in it. Yeah. Sombre, yeah. like, lovey-dovey songs. Yeah. All of them are quite upbeat and yeah, yeah, but yeah, emotionally, I feel like that's the the center of the film. Not to get too deep into things, uh, I've certainly dodged around another one of my high points so far. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else is going to mention it at some point. Uh, Has anyone got a high point they're sitting well, the, on? The wife beater, Steve Martin. That's him. Yeah, <laughs> well, the dentist. Well, it's not exactly him. My one is the entire time that Bill Murray was on screen <laughs> yep. in the dentist thing. It Bill was... Murray at the dentist is a high point. I have. Yeah, <laughs> Den- dentist room is definitely a high point. He is at his best when he's playing characters like that, like the same, like zany, wild people. He was just brilliant. Well, fun I fact for you. Um... So on you go. Fun fact: uh, the bit where you first see Bill Murray when he's in the reception was 100% scripted. When he's on the dentist chair. 
was all ad-libbed <laughs> and he just did what he wanted. So all of that Fair stuff enough. with Steve Martin was all ad-libbed. <laughs> it's the way um, Steve Martin pumps up the chair, he goes like that with his hand to pump it up. <laughs> I can piss on myself. Yes, Steve Martin's physical stuff is amazing <laughs> in, in this. And it's just his general look. Even his motorbike. Yeah. That motorbike's yeah. amazing. How does it uh, land like it does? It just stops whenever you watch it too as well. It's amazing. <laughs> but, oh yeah, I absolutely love the dentist. Even the other scenes, the scenes where he's just like bullying kids and all that, it's just great. Yeah. Well. But the, the Bill Murray is, the, is, oh, no, is the, the peak. The wife being on it was a bit cringy, but obviously you had to end up hating him because other than that, you really like him. That's it, exactly. Because at, at one point, and I know, I know Chris does, does the whole like, recasting us, I was toying with somebody being the dentist and I'm like, no, I probably can't do it. It's probably not a good <laughs> idea for someone to be the wife Peter character. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's essentially my. I think Mean Green Mother from Outer Space is my last high point. It's a I love that song. song. I love that song. Uh, it's a great song. And it's, I can't go any further without mentioning the plant itself. Uh, Andy might know off the top of his head that the voice of the plant uh, is a, a famous singer from, I think, was, the, was it the Four Tops? Yeah, Four Tops, yeah. The Four Tops. Uh, an amazing performance by, by him as this gigantic plant uh, is my, my final high point. Anybody else get any others they want to mention? I'm the one, think... one. The last. Oh, you go. Well, I was just a quick. Do you know the point? He's made a phone call. He checks for change afterwards. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was funny. Could be a savvy plant. <laughs> that was my last high point. No, I don't think I've got any more high points. Well, we're going to low point. We've covered a few low points already, so we'll do some tidying up. Uh, I'll just do quickly the two I've got. The songs Skid Row and Somewhere That's Green I uh, felt were not the best. Skid Row, I just, uh, it, it was very meh very stage yeah. show rather than cinematic and i thought and it, people stepping in and singing their bit and singing their bit and i was like ah oh. but in between the two of my early favorite songs and in somewhere that's green is one of these woe is me kind of oh i'm so sad i'm so <laughs> down and the whole film just grinds to a halt when she's singing somewhere that's green and i just want to get back to the energy get back to the fun and it's like i, I feel like you didn't need to know how sad she was that like you could tell from everything that's going on and about it that she was the victim in this whole thing so i did not enjoy those early songs so they're my my first couple of low points are those two um well a lot of mine is going to be the songs like none of the songs jump out at me do you know when you talk about a musical like grace has got grease like their songs and ah uh, see i was uh, different musicals got... hmm? straight away little shop of horrors just gets stuck in your head and i'm a big green I'm mother from outer space there's not as many i mean there's i know like Obviously, Little Shop of Horrors is a lot, like the mean green mother from outer space, but there's, I don't know. I just, Nicholas said you could feel me deflating every time a song came on. <laughs> Typically, that's what I'm like. When there's like a proper musical, I'm just like, stop telling me what's happening by singing and just tell me what's happening. But this one, I, I feel like it kind of flowed a lot better than your typical one, personally, for me, yeah. for my taste. I like this one a lot better. And they were kind of, the, being a fun song helps. That's why I don't, I don't like it. It's, it's very Blues, Blues Brothers esque. Which obviously makes sense because yes. Frank Oz was a part of it. I could get the name right. Yeah. I can't remember their name, but yeah, I see what you mean. Blues Brothers has the advantage of all its songs are actually being played. Like the whole yeah. point is it's a musical performance or it's a gig that they're doing. Whereas this is still, we're still living life, but we're singing it and it doesn't feel too intrusive personally for me. Uh, what's, I've only got um, one, two more. Like, I didn't, the destruction, it went on for too long. Oh, yeah, and it, they were destroying everything. It kind of went on for like ten minutes, but it's just the same thing happened over yeah. again. Plants bursting through walls and stuff that just it went on for too long. But yeah, the director's cut definitely. I agree with that. I I like it, 
but yeah, ten minutes is way too long. Like I like the ending of them both dying, and then all he had to do was kind of yeah. grow up, and then have maybe two minutes of him destroying Ellie. But it does go on for ten minutes. It's well, just like, why? We get it. You took over the world. <laughs> right, you understand it. End of film. <laughs> I right, they, just, they wanted to make their own like Godzilla movie. Yeah, like, definitely. Oh, we've, got the, we've got the budget here. We've got, we've got five million in the bank. Let's just let's suspend it. Yes. <laughs> Uh, that was my last one. A couple other small ones. Wink Wilkinson's radio show. Uh, John Candy's John Candy. I I like him for what he does. I'm not criticizing him. I'm just saying his show sounds awful. (laughs) It's like the actual worst thing that is ever possibly on the radio. It's like this podcast. (laughs) 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 We've got a touch sound effect. But yeah, just every little thing happening, him shouting, oh, make a funny noise, oh, come sit down, blah, 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 blah. All this. and I was like, oh, I could not listen to that, I would just do my brain in, I'd have turned it off. Can me, like, me annoyed with uh, John Candy. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's definitely meant to be a villain of some sort yeah. in this film, I think he's meant to be likeable, but yeah, his show was awful. And then my, my last, uh, I've already mentioned a couple others, but really I, I had, does Audrey 2 actually talk at one point? Because every time Audrey 2 was speaking, it was only Seymour that was there, and I thought, is he like, is he just imagining the plant is talking yeah. to him? And then I realised, and then it made the phone call. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, it does actually talk. Because that was the one. But other than that, it was only ever just to Seymour. And there was one stage where it was talking to him, like, feed me, feed me. And Seymour goes outside and then comes back in with Mr. Mushnick at the time where he gets eaten. And when they come back in again, after being feed me, feed me, it's upright and back in the corner again. And I'm like, yeah, this plant doesn't seem to do anything unless it's just Seymour. So I thought, at some point, I thought, yeah, is, it, is it that he's actually mad and this plant isn't doing it? But then he made the phone call, yeah. and I'm like, ah, right, it does, it does actually speak out loud. And the last one, I didn't know how it made sense that there was another little Audrey outside the house at the end, but then neither of you guys watched that version. <laughs> so you're not going to be able to answer the question, but I'm not sure how's another one, except that it also must have got hit by an alien lightning bolt at some point, and then they're just very unlucky to have moved into Well, in, in the director's cut, they did say they snuck in and took a clipping of it and grew another Audrey. So they were ready to manufacture them all, so I don't know if it was the same bit. But, yeah. Well, yeah. That's, the, that's from, the end of my low points. So no, for no me, my major ultimate low point is this is the film that put me off of dentists as a kid. <laughs> like, it is fucking <laughs> terrifying. And, like, Chantel was like, pillow behind her face like couldn't see didn't, didn't want to watch it then you've just got all the noises as well it's just like yeah it's fucked up wrapped around the head no, yeah don't, don't look don't listen but so you genu- don't know Murray kind of character you don't do you don't love going to the dentist nope. no <laughs> like i don't mind it now but yeah as a kid this genuinely put me off going to the dentist for a long ass time and it is steve martin's to blame in that one you've never asked for a long slow root canal before <laughs> no nope <laughs> uh, is that us for low points yeah yeah Better get on to the stats then, after the low points. So, on to the first stat. Usually around this time, Chris asks a question or has a statement. I thought I heard a shit. You did, in fact, hear a shit, Chris. Uh, There were none for about, I don't know, an hour (laughs) and 20 minutes of the film. And then old Audrey 2 just starts swearing up a storm at one point. And <laughs> in the version I've got, it says shit three times, uh, Audrey does. I don't know if uh, you had any bonus ones during the destruction of the city. Uh, no, he but... doesn't say anything really, just laughs. No, she's just yeah. growling and plowing people through walls and him coming through walls. <laughs> I see. So I think we'll, we'll call, uh, call it three. Uh, Andy, you keep an eye and an ear out for shits as well. Uh, did well, you spot any? I've got, I've got a random question, like Skidrow, right? A lot of homeless people in there. Seems like it. It seems like Skid Row is aptly named because where are they pooping? 
<laughs> and the, oh, there's one scene where Rick Moranis comes out, and now I had a double take here, but I thought he was genuinely like chucking out his like shit, like out of like a bedpan or something yeah. like that. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. But but no, I think it was like old compost and water from a plant pot. But I thought he was genuinely throwing a shit out. Because he does just live in the basement, doesn't he? Yeah. There's no sign yeah. of it. Is there a sign of being a toilet down there? No, that's sure. what I mean. The sets were well made, but like normally you'd see like a, a spare room or whatever. But it was literally shop, basement, outhouse, like shed. So is he pooping yeah. in the shed? Then all the homeless people in this thing. I, I think there was a lack of toilets in Skid Row is my takeaway from this. I didn't see anybody go for a shit, but there could have been potentially he was emptying his shit bucket out. And all but, the homeless people are walking around with skids. Uh, yes. Skid. <laughs> Skiddies. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, possible shits there. Three shits said. No other swears at all. The odd light swearing here. There was a bloody, I know it was a bloody, there was a bastard. Tough maybe a, as well. Tough titty was a good one. Yeah. But, uh, no, no hard, <laughs> I was a keeper nowhere. <laughs> no hard swears. On to the next one. Normally I count explosions. Uh, I watched one film that had one explosion, and that was Audrey 2 exploding. Uh, higher or lower than one explosion in the director's cut? <laughs> Quite a lot higher. Uh, or plus 100, maybe? <laughs> it destroys the uh, world, so that's a lot of explosions. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, depending on which version you watch, explosions is a, is a wide spectrum here, I think. Uh, and deaths as well. Um, three deaths. There were only three people fed uh, to the plant uh, in, in my version uh, and I think the third death so two people fed to the plant and I think the last death was Audrey 2 it's, itself uh, I counted that as a death because he was well and truly he or she was well and truly killed uh, higher or lower than the entire death. human race there four fed <laughs> there was four so, fed four but fed to Seymour whatever I mean, the four okay. but yeah whatever the population of the world was back in 1986 <laughs> So probably plus maybe I don't know four or five billion or yeah. something like that. Well, all right, okay. Absolute bloodbath this film. Yeah. Uh, I keep track of dead animals. I don't remember any animals being fed to Audrey Two, but is Audrey Two in fact an animal itself? Because in my version it died, so therefore I'm going to say. I don't know. Could... I, don't, I don't know if a Venus flytrap's an animal. Is that a sort of plant class? Plants are not animals, are they? It's confusing. Very, very sentient to be a, yeah. a plant. But yeah, not maybe not a, a, a traditional dead animal for the Dead Point podcast in this. Uh, and because it is a little shop of horrors, I counted how many horrors there were. And again, in my version, I counted the dentist as a horror, because he was quite <laughs> a horror. And then there were 16 versions of Audrey 2 in my version, and they were all little horrors. So 17 was the final version of horrors in my film. I'm assuming yeah, that, that. <laughs> that was a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> again, a lot more in the other version. And did they say the thing? Did they say Little Shop of Horrors? Yes, no. in song. They did, very much. Ah, oh, fuck that. Stupid song. Uh, I counted six times. It feels like it was low, but uh, somewhere, at least six. The first saying of Little Shop of Horrors was one minute 37 into the film. That was the first time it was sung in the song. Uh, stats. Uh, I'm not sure who's next. Chris, did you get any stats? Uh, I counted um, 13 times the muses, the Greek muses or whatever they were called, the singers changed their costumes. Ah, nice. Ah, good one. They're, they're amazing. I love them. Was that her? Like as soon as she pop, like they popped up, I was like, "That's fucking hard for my wife and kids." That's exactly. But I've been watching a new show called The Neighborhood, um, which has got the other woman in it, um, with Cedric the Entertainer. So she's the wife of Cedric the Entertainer in it. It's like, ah, the middle one. I don't know the the chunkier one. No idea. Well, leave that alone. Uh, stats. <laughs> uh, other, other than chunky people, Andy, have you been counting anything else? No. 
I don't count shit. You're keeping an ear and eye out for shit. Uh, On to point five, then. The uh, 10-point podcast quiz. And Chris is the quiz master for this Uh, season. This should be a fairly easy one. I thought, you know what? I've picked um, a famous song from a bunch of musicals. You've got to tell me what musical it's from. Oh, motherfucker. You went first last week. Was it Bruce? I've no idea. (laughs) Uh, Andrew, Bruce, Andrew. Bruce, this week. So Me first. Yeah. Uh, You're the one that I want. Well, thank you. Uh, to go first, uh, <laughs> hey. is that, uh, that's Greece, isn't it? You mentioned Greece before. Right, yes, yes. Andrew, a spoonful of sugar. Oh, what the fuck is that called? Uh, Mary Poppins. Correct. Uh, Bruce, I dreamed a dream. Oh, a dream. Now I know the song. I'm <laughs> not sure I can tell you what musical it is in. Is that Cats? Nope. Andrew, the Sound of Music. Nah, lame as a rabbler. Ah, uh, this is a fairly obvious because I didn't realise you'd remember the name of the song, but uh, Mean Green Mother from Outer Space. Fuck it. There is a couple of easier ones. I didn't realise you were going to memorise all the songs. <laughs> Little Shop of Horrors. I was also expecting one you to go, this, as, no, actually, uh, not Shop of Horrors. Uh, right. uh, uh, and uh, Bruce. It's Bruce. Uncle Fucker. <laughs> uh, South Park. Bigger, longer, and uncut if I need the whole Correct. title. Andrew, Kickapoo. Kickapoo is Tenacious D in The Pick of Destiny. Correct. Uh, Bruce, A Million Dreams. I had that one. That was my last one, wasn't it? Uh, a Million Dreams. Oh. I have no idea. I'm going to guess The Greatest Showman. Oh, good guess. Was it? <laughs> was it? <laughs> uh, Andrew, Into the Unknown. To the unknown. Ah, oh, shit. I don't know. I'll give you a clue. It's animated. I have no, I have no idea, even if it's animated. Chris? Uh, if it's animated, I'm going to guess Frozen. Ah, oh, close. Frozen 2. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. right. <laughs> I thought if I did the other one, it'd be too obvious. Yeah. Uh, so is that Andrew? Bruce, uh, Sweet yeah. Transvestite. Uh, that is Rocky Horror Picture Show, or the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Correct. Andrew, to tie it up, Over the Rainbow. Wizard of Oz? Oh, good guess. That was that for each. We got all draw again. <laughs> Eeksy peeksy this season on the quiz. Uh, I like uh, quizzes that make me think. That's good. Uh, and a, a couple of belters of guesses in there as well. <laughs> Uh, another draw on the season of draws. Uh, uh, Bruce, you're two up. Am I? Oh, am I winning? Oh, there we go. Brilliant. Um, on to the next one. On to point six on the podcast is our movies within movies section where we all keep tracks of different things and movie universes, etc. Uh, I usually keep a track of movies that were referenced, parodies, or I could see in this film. Uh, feel free to ask me the significance of each one if you don't know, uh, and I'll try and remember why I wrote it down on my list here. Uh, Singing in the Rain, Gremlins, Mad Max, The Exorcist, Wizard of Oz, King Kong, Sherlock Holmes, and Creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, Exorcist? Were... Uh, there's a bit of music that sounds like The Exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> uh, I think it was meant as... Uh, the Exorcist definitely came out before this, but there's a bit where he was being all creepy around the plant, and there's a very Exorcist. It was in, the, in his basement. Uh, and it was very exorcist sounding uh, in that. But they were the ones uh, that I've got that were referenced in this. A, a lot of them were in uh, in songs. And Sherlock Holmes is purely there because the plant went, no shit, Sherlock. At one point. <laughs> so, oh, <laughs> there we go. Uh, I'm not even sure how many Sherlock Holmes movies there were out before 1986, but I'm sure a bunch. Uh, Chris, 
Movies within movies, what have you got for us? Well, uh, being the, the keeper of the TTP universe, I can't say the words, uh, Bill Murray, who Bill was appeared in <laughs> Talk for too many beers, uh, The Dead Don't Die. He did. Uh, shame that movie won't die. But hey! Uh, me and Andrew saw uh, Danny John Jules. He's <laughs> literally at a blink and you'll miss it. I, I probably saw him, but didn't register that it was him, yes. So he's now appeared twice more than I thought he would. And because he wasn't in our version, but he was in yours. Jim Belushi, uh, if you're allowing it, since he appeared all the way back in our unaired pilot episode. <laughs> ah, okay. So the last action hero. So this is now the film with the most people in previous films. There we go. There we go. Good. Awesome. Uh, on top of it, as always, Chris, very good. Uh, have you recast anyone? Because we, we did uh, give you this role as well. Uh, yeah, I would... Um, I'd be the florist because he's literally the only one that doesn't sing. Uh, <laughs> hey. I put Bruce Seymour and Adrian's Audrey. Uh, I'm, very, <laughs> I'm very similar. I've definitely got Adrian's Audrey too. But I put it in terms of the podcast here where he's the one wreaking havoc, which is Andy is the plan. <laughs> You're the one that he's kind of picking on, which is Seymour, and I'm Mr. Mushnick just trying to run the damn thing. That's <laughs> how I went with the casting. We got, yes, I was trying to slip a dentist in as somebody, but I wasn't going to. Uh. Yeah. Uh, if it wasn't for the whole wife being thing, I probably would have put one of the dentist. <laughs> yeah, I might have taken the dentist for myself uh, had he not been <laughs> as evil as that. Hey, Andy, have you cast us at all, or you just got? No, your I don't do casting. I, I, so I very much was... focus on the flawless movie link, Give uh, us a thing. which is uh, one that you've heard already because uh, Chantel totally stole the original idea that I had, which was <laughs> Danny John Jules is obviously in this film, um, and straight after he'd filmed that scene, he randomly went down the back of a thing and got bitten by a vampire and <laughs> then became part of the blood pack to go and hunt Blade and then ultimately teamed up with Blade and then died tragically in a nightclub. Yeah. Uh, this would all be after he was the cat in Red Dwarf, would it? I don't know. I don't oh know yeah, the, the cat from Red Dwarf's a parallel universe which side branches off. Oh, before I forget, that I gently, at one stage, because you got into my head so much with this cameo, I thought, right, he's taking the piss here. And at the very <laughs> beginning of the film, there's this weird fake stuffed cat in it. It's like the second or third shot of the film. And I'm like, is he going to tell me that's the, the cat that was Salem, the cat is the Queen of the Teenage Witch? And I was really happy. I said it was early on. Maybe it is that cat. Like, oh, that and then it turns out it was the bloody cat. It was it actually the cat. Like, it was the cat. Oh, well, yeah, that's how much it got in my head. And speaking of getting in our heads, Andy, point seven is all yours. Can we get in your head and tell us what point seven is this week? Right. Normally ask questions about the film. Okay. So I'm going to ask another question about the film. If you had Audrey 2, what would you do with it? Burn it. You'd well, burn it. Depends. Do I know that it eats plant uh, people? It's exactly the same situation. Exactly the same situation. You've got this new plan. You're like, oh, actually, well, I've put my finger. He sticks with wanting to eat people. No, I'd kill it. Yeah, you'd kill it, or feed it mice or something. Well, that's what I was going to say. At no point does it ever seem to cross his mind that it might want not human blood. Exactly, but I think it's because he fed so much blood. Because this is where I was going with this. This is what my plan would be: is fuck a bit, and it's like, oh, it's suddenly growing. It's back alive. Because I would keep it because it's pretty cool, and I know I can make money off of this. <laughs> but as soon as I know, as soon as I know it's making like blood, I would be like, right, I'm gonna go and get some animal blood, so, like some go to the butchers, start feeding it that rather well, than that's humans. What he tried to do near the end. He yeah, but by that time he'd, he'd, like that. he'd already like had loads of plasters on his fingers, so he's obviously he's got human blood. It's like a vampire. It likes the oh, taste of it. it. Doesn't want to try anything else. Yeah. So yeah, 
That's what I would be doing. I'd be, yeah, from the get-go, trying animal blood. I think it'd be too much... I don't know. It, like, you know Jade, she loves her plants. She'd probably want to look after it, but I'd be like, oh, just get out of my sight. I, I can't <laughs> be doing this. Like, because it seems... I thought several times it had died and it was going to somehow get another one the way it just kind of flops over. I thought, oh, well, that's it done for. Uh, but then it somehow just, oh, I'll feed me. I want blood again. But yeah, animal blood or nothing, that's what I'm going with. Right, so basically, me and you are in it for the money and Chris would dash to try and save the world and kill it off. <laughs> so Chris is the... When it starts wanting more blood, yeah, but... Right, okay. So you're the saviour, and we would still go down the money route just going, fuck, we need to try and get wean it off of human blood. <laughs> like some way of profit on this, yeah. <laughs> uh, on to point eight on the podcast is our 10-point podcast award nominations. This is where we nominate things for the pointies at the end of the season. Uh, I've got quite a bunch here, including a couple we've not touched on yet, so I'll go first and give them. Um, most unexpected person, uh, now with an asterisk, because it might end up being the cat, but <laughs> Christopher Guest is the, the first customer to come into the shop. Uh, he is one-third, I guess, of Spinal Tap, and the guy behind all of the Spinal Tap, Mighty Wind movies and all that, and he 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 plays a blinder in his one scene where he comes in and I am the yeah, customer. Yes. <laughs> I would like to buy this plant and all. Oh, the guy with the little white eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah he comes oh, in. I really like who that was. Like, oh, I will buy fifty dollars worth of produce. <laughs> yeah, well, that's how he comes storming in, and he's probably the 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 best. Best, he has the best five minutes of anybody in the film, I think, uh, even rivaling uh, Bill Murray. Uh, but he, he comes in. He's one of, I didn't expect him to see to see him, but then now that the cat is in it, maybe him. Uh, best song. I've opted for Little Shop of Horrors, but I would be very much inclined to go Mean Green Eating Machine. Yeah, that's called. the one I would uh, go for. I'll, okay, I'll, I'll double down on I'll take that instead. They're my, my t- top two. Uh, worst costume slash hair is Audrey's hair. Uh, at some point, I thought she was going to take her hair off and have like, a real haircut for a while. Like, as in, I don't have to pretend to be anybody <laughs> anymore, but her hair was an absolute mess. Uh, best supporting, Steve Martin, because he just absolutely steals <laughs> the film, essentially, from a performance point of view. Best fight, I've gone for the dentist versus, dentist versus Bill Murray, because uh, it kind of was a fight for the most part, as in Steve Martin was kind of fighting him off, really, so I've gone for that as best fight. Um, best death, I've gone for the dentist uh, a couple of scenes later when he g- gasses himself to death. <laughs> uh, on a similar vein, best scene, Bill Murray visiting the dentist <laughs> is my next one. Uh, best entrance or exit was an award someone made up at some point. I've gone for the dentist arriving on his motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. uh, all these awards just kept coming to me after another, after another, so very much heavy in on the dentist. You should do a spin-off uh, uh, the dentist before he dies. The final one involving the dentist, best hair. He had some great hair. <laughs> uh, other nominees, Ellen Green for Worst Actress, because that voice did my head in. Worst Father Figure, Mr. Mushnick, because he actually adopted Seymour. And then when you think about that in relation to, like, the, like essentially adopted him, like, he found him as an orphan and let him live in the basement and all that, and he tries to kill him in the end, really. <laughs> so, not the best father figure. Uh, and then my last one, the Michael Pena Award for Best Storytelling, I've gone for the Total Eclipse song explaining how the plant turned into what it turned into in the first place. And they are, I think, all of my nominees. Uh, Andy, why don't you... The only ones to add, and I'm definitely most unexpected character turn up, the cat from Red Dwarf. <laughs> uh, that's in there. Uh, best sets, the whole film. It's got good sets, but if I have to kind of you pick are, it out, animatronic Audrey too. We've, we've come to that nickname for you, Andy. Yeah, I do love sets. a set. Uh, but yeah, Audrey 2 has like a set piece like that, the shop with uh, large Audrey 2 is definitely, if I have to narrow it down, is that one because uh, the animatronics are amazing. Uh, what else have you not covered that I need? There was very best... little in the way of police in this film. So yeah, I there's no police. Best, best twist. I'm bringing that back. Everybody dies and the world 
gets eaten by like Audrey too, depending on which version you are. Like, well, so I, I, didn't, I didn't enjoy that twist. <laughs> yeah, you didn't even see that twist. Uh, but yeah, that's it. That's it. you pretty much covered every single thing else. Yeah, I did, I did, I did uh, not. I've gone for a different twist to Andrew. Uh, it was tough because it was between the bad boy boyfriend being a dentist. I wasn't expecting him to be a dentist, <laughs> and the plants taking over the world because. Now, I know that it doesn't happen in your version, but it happens in others. I thought Seymour would have destroyed it after killing Audrey. Yeah. But, so I think the plans taking over the world has got to be the best twist. That's uh, a, a twist to me, certainly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my last one is best physical effect. Uh, the mouth and the dentist. The big mouth, he's like, <laughs> drilling it. Looking out, yeah. 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 That, was, that was brilliant. Uh, which reminds so, me at this point, in, a, in another template podcast trend, apparently there is a remake coming. And the really? last I saw, which I've, I've checked since I, since I saw earlier on when Andy was there, apparently Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson are pegged to be like in it. Uh, Chris Evans apparently to be the dentist and Scarlett Johansson to be <laughs> uh, to be Audrey, apparently. <laughs> so that was, that was as of a year of the time of recording now. That Kevin was Hart will be Audrey too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the, the Rock Casimor. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that was all our nominations, wasn't it? I think everyone's yeah. nominated everything. Uh, on to point nine, the moral of the story. Uh, Chris, what have you got as the moral of the story from Little Shop of Horrors? Um, I'm going to apologise in advance. Uh, don't buy weird shit from Chinese shops. It didn't work out well for Seymour, and it didn't work out well on Gremlins either. Uh, it's two enough for a trend. I think two maybe is enough for a trend on that point. Uh, Andy, your moral of the story. Don't trust plants. <laughs> Just plants are bad. Plants are bad. Uh, I've written my moral story in the form of a haiku, uh, as my my want is these days, and I've I've used uh, syllables to the, the, the fullest extent here. No situation ever necessitates you feeding plants your blood, and I thought that is definitely the moral of the story. Uh, it always ends it bad. Point ten, the ten point rating. What we rate the film out of ten, Andy, your selection. Why don't you tell us what you've given it first? Right. So I'd seen this film like as a kid. Uh probably didn't get it and the only thing I ever remembered from being a kid is I hate dentists uh, remember the DVD coming out and it was a big thing uh, watched it, watched the director's cut which I rewatched again uh, I absolutely love the, the director's cut ending It's I like, I like a sad film that doesn't end happily, it's just like amazing, but yeah special effects, good, cast, amazing songs are hit or miss it's probably 50-50 in the middle whether they're good or not uh, but overall it's a 6 Six from Andy. Um, Chris, you had I thought you'd seen it before, so I, I thought I had, but it turns I, thought, I hadn't. I'll, I'll leave Chris till the end, and I'll go next. Um, I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. I'm not a musical guy; like I, musicals are a bit eye rolling for me at times. But I feel like the kind of comedy and the silliness kept me interested enough that to get through the songs. Like Andy says, there's a few, a few valleys, a few troughs when it comes to the songs, but they come out of them quickly enough, and I. I think the, the, the silliness around about it and the Steve Martin stuff is funny and let's say the plant itself absolutely blew me away for 1987 that gets big, big marks for how good the plant is um, and on a rewatch I have no idea whether I go up or down but right now it's a solid six for me as well uh, considering I also essentially got a different film from you guys as well <laughs> it's funny that I've matched Andy so uh, Chris, what are you giving it? Um, like, I'm the same I'm not a musical guy but I thought so I'm going to be fair and judge it because if, if I didn't know musical, I'd just rate it a one, but it's not. <laughs> like the acting and effects for Seymour, eh, not for Seymour, eh, for the uh, Audrey Audrey were, were out of this world, bloody awesome. And the story was all right as well. Uh, 
it just annoys me when films with Randall Rubick in the song to explain something <laughs> that could you don't need explaining. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do, I'll give it a five because there was a lot of fun moments there. The dentist kind of saved it for me. Very good. Uh, I believe that that does mean that uh, Little Trouble Horrors averages or gets a final score, official score, of a six from the podcast. Uh, not a bad score at all, really. That, that's uh, been standard mid to high table from uh, seasons for, beforehand. So yeah, a solid six from the oldest film that we've ever done on the podcast, which is uh, a positive. Hopefully we can uh, build on that going forwards. And going forwards, uh, the next episode is my selection. And I have picked all my films ahead of time. So I am not changing what I'm picking until maybe the last week, depending. So this is always going to be my pick for this week. And it's a massive coincidence because I had no idea what Andrew's going to pick. And someone is in the film I've just watched is in the film that I'm doing as well. However, they're neither of the main two stars. The main two stars we have never done before. Um, there's another person in the film who we have done before, but that was way back in season one. This film, I know, has the absolute main star is someone that Andy is a fan of. And I have selected the 1994 action crime drama thriller, covering a few bases, starring Andy's favourite, Jean Reno. He refers to him as Rene Rousseau, like <laughs> Leon, uh, which does star Ellen Green, who is in Little Tom Horrors. Well, I know it's coming, but what a Leon is my selection next week, and uh, Gary Oldman, also we've done him before. Never um, seen him before. And Natalie Portman. Never seen Leon before. How have you never, never seen Leon? Very good. Never seen it. God. I'd like a film someone hasn't seen. Is this not the film where Natalie Portman kind of hates because everybody sexualizes her because sexualizes her she was like 12 or 13? Aye. It could well be, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Chris will be doing it next week on the podcast, so join us. There's a teaser for you. Come back and listen to that next week. Uh, around this time, I'd written an outro for the podcast. I have now lost said outro. So I'm going to say things like, like and subscribe any videos, any podcasts that you see from us. Uh, retweet messages. Send us everything you want to send us and say hello and ask questions and recommendations and requests. You have seven days to watch Leon and we will see you next week on the 10 Point Podcast.